1: And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. Matt, today we have Andrew Lafleur on the podcast. Yeah. Returning guest. Returning guest, fellow realtor, albeit in Toronto. Yeah. He's, well, he's the founder of truecondos.com, really excellent resource online. So check out his website. Uh, he also has the True Condos Podcast, yeah. a awesome. Toronto specific podcast. Yeah. Which, uh, we, we looked to the True Condos Podcast when we started as, as a beacon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, and he was super helpful. And then he's also a pre-construction specialist. So he focuses a lot of, on new construction in Toronto and, uh, yeah, has a great team out there. Yeah, we
2: should say he's he can help with everything uh, real estate related in Toronto. We've sent him people and, uh, man, talk about positive feedback. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting because we reached out to Andrew. But in the last week or two, we've been fielding tons of questions about, hey, the Canadian real estate right. market is slowing down. Uh, you know it's all over the national news, which it is um but that isn't the Vancouver market and if you look at the June stats, the most recent stats, I mean the market right. is up, it's very busy, and um it seems like you know the Canadian real estate market, they're really talking about Toronto, so we thought we'd have Andrew back on to uh for to sure, explain exactly what's going on on the ground there, and you know the media often gets it slightly wrong or is a little behind. So it's good to have Andrew on talking about what's it like on the ground. Absolutely,
1: and Matt. But before we get to our interview with Andrew, what's new with you? Yeah, I had a busy week. I moved last Thursday, which was um, agonizing. Congrats and, um, on the new
2: house. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much. I it's far from new though. It's new it's, to you. It's new, new to me. Yeah. It's, it's been around for hundreds of years, or at least it feels like that, or at least the right. amount of work that it requires to get it up and running. It you know what I, I sure. love
1: about your house? The closet. Yeah. The one closet. The one closet is very...
2: It's a decent-sized closet. Also called the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the den. But no, I mean, that's one thing is we just had to order a bunch of PAX units from IKEA. Because there's no... There's literally... It's crazy houses in East Vancouver. There's there's no closet space. People
1: didn't have clothes. It yeah. was, uh, I think, 1950, 1960, people started to realize... That's, that must be when the fashion... Brayden, look that up. But I think that's when the I, fashion industry started to boom. You know what? I, Twiggy. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with, here with is, Twiggy. Here it is right here. Uh, clothes invented 1965. <laughs> is,
2: but, oh, they do mention Twiggy. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> okay, good. 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 You are bang on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So
1: so you got a new house. And got you a got a new house. I know,
2: you know, I said to you when I walked in, I mean, one thing I was thinking is just, and, you know, we help people move in all the time. So you see this all the time, but I guess when it's actually my credit card that's being used. Right. Like the economic spinoffs of moving is, is oh, insane. I mean, I... In my case, I had movers, roofers. I had to get a new roof. I had uh, painters. Now I have these guys setting up IKEA stuff because that would take me three weeks. Right. But I mean, the amount of money I've spent in, in since Thursday is like,
1: man. you know. And, and people wonder why you can't get a, a mover, a contractor, or a guy to build your IKEA furniture. Yeah. Which you're supposed to build yourself, by the yeah. way. <laughs> You don't need a contractor for
2: IKEA, man. Adam, you and I have both. We've focused. We had one project that we did together with IKEA and it nearly destroyed our business. And our relationship. We didn't didn't talk for months. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it's like, it's worth you know it's worth you want to have the pax a...
1: units done correctly right the, i mean that every, those are the those are big ticket uh, items. i've
2: never actually hired an ikea person to sure put something together from ikea but i've also never had an ikea piece of furniture that actually
1: functions correctly so yeah uh, pack the pax units are good though yeah they, they are actually good but yeah. they're what about 1500 bucks they're not cheap no nothing's cheap as i found
2: out but uh, hey such is life uh what's new with you
1: not much new with me. I uh, accidentally walked into a cannabis dispensary the other day thinking it was a <laughs> coffee shop on Broadway. Uh, you know, it, it, I wonder if the rest of Canada is going through this explosion of uh, cannabis dispensaries the way ever since Trudeau announced that, that marijuana was going to be legal in Canada. But I feel like one's popping up every 45 minutes in vancouver but
2: but it's not even that they're popping up i mean they are but, but it's the shape they've taken right i they mean they look like, like matchstick coffees
1: now th- there's like, a reason
2: you mistakenly walked into one i looking thought, for a coffee
1: i was like this is the hippest coffee shop i've ever seen yeah. i'm not Which cool is, enough to be in yeah. here and then i looked and it was like just a bunch of weed <laughs> it's it's uh i know it's
2: amazing how the quickly that has shifted from you know mark emery and, yeah. and all the rest on no, Hastings, I know it's, the main it's, area
1: and... it's unbelievable, but it's here. It's here for sure. So yeah, Matt, maybe without further ado, why don't we uh, jump to our interview with Andrew LaFleur? Yeah, let's
2: find out about Toronto's market and uh, it's an interesting conversation. So enjoy, guys. Enjoy. Enjoy.
1: Okay, so we're here with Toronto real estate agent and pre-construction specialist, Andrew LaFleur. How you doing, Andrew? Hi. And also, I should say, past guests as well. Andrew, thanks for coming back.
0: Great to be here. Good to chat with you guys again.
2: Yeah, so Andrew, we always like hearing about the Toronto market and talking to you specifically, but we brought you on today because there's been a lot of news in the last week, week and a half about the Canadian real estate market slowing down, and and Adam and I have been fielding calls from clients about, oh, hey, what's going on in Vancouver? What's you know the slowdown? We're not really seeing a slowdown here. It seems like they're saying Canadian real estate slowdown, but it seems hyper focused on Toronto. So, so how's the market there?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, it seems like Vancouver and, and Toronto real estate markets are just dominating the headlines across the country, um, and they're, it's almost like. The media just uses our two markets as a market in Canada, like whatever's happening in Vancouver and Toronto, that must be what is happening in the real estate market in Canada, which of course is silly because, uh, you know, every real estate market is local and that's part of the reason why we're having this conversation is to understand, you know, differences in the different markets um, and looking at Canadian real estate market, so-called in quotation, Canadian real estate market as a whole is just kind of a silly exercise to even do as a general statement. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, specifically, I could see how the national media too, like if, if something's happening in Toronto and and you're in Vancouver, and the national media just throws in a headline out there, and there might be some confusion with um, with people who are uh, not in Toronto thinking that this is affecting them, but you know, every market is completely different. So that, I mean, that's something I, I always teach my clients and 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 uh, people who you know listen to my podcasts and videos and, and articles over the years. One of the basic principles of real estate is real estate is local, and you need to understand you know what's happening in your local market, and it doesn't really matter very much. Sure, you want to have an understanding of other other markets and what's going on there because trends can affect you, but. Uh, real estate is local. You got to know, you know, sometimes it's down to one side of the street and the other side of the street can be completely different. So um, but unfortunately, the media doesn't uh, doesn't always operate like that. And so it, uh, here we are.
1: So Andrew, so keep staying um, in that same vein, how how is the market in Toronto? Can you speak to that a bit?
0: Yeah, so um, the market in Toronto obviously has softened quite a bit, as a as a general statement, the market has softened quite a bit over the last two to three months, and in particular, since the introduction of the foreign buyer tax, and a few other measures which were included in this thing the government called the Fair Housing Plan, which they brought out at the end of April. So, looking back now, it looks like the market probably peaked at the end of March. Uh, maybe the middle of March. That's probably when the market said of the, the feverish activity in the market that had been going on for you know six or eight months before that sort of peaked, and things began to slow down. Listings started to sit longer. Um, multiple offer scenarios instead of you know ten offers, it was eight, and then six, and then four, and now today you've got many properties that are that are sitting on the market and not getting offers. Um, at least not, you know, immediately, which we're sort of used, we got used to. So, um, but it's also, you know, again, every, every, you know, not just geographically, there are different markets, also different types of properties. There are different markets to understand. So, for example, in, you know, in the GTA in the greater Toronto area, the detached housing market right now is probably doing the worst the sales to listing ratio, uh, which is the is number that I always look at to understand the temperature of the market, the sales to listing ratio for detached houses is about 31%. So, in a given month, about 31% of the houses available will sell.
1: So, that's still a seller's market? Uh, uh,
0: well, it's, yeah, depending on how you define it, um, it's not, I wouldn't say it's, it's 100% a buyer's market. It, it's Maybe a borderline buyer's market, perhaps. Um, But compared to, you know, a few months ago when it was like, you know, 90 or 100 percent. Yeah, and if you look at the condo market, on the other hand, the condo market is completely different. The condo market is about 63 percent. So, detached 31, condos are 63. So, condos are still doing very well. Uh, Again, condos are coming down from around 100 percent a couple of months ago to around sixty three percent now, but still a very strong seller's market for condos. Uh, houses, detached houses, not so much.
2: Yeah. Well it's funny, we're guilty of reading the headlines and taking that as gospel, but yeah, both those sales ratios seem high to me. That was that those are higher than what I was expecting.
0: Yeah, they're probably higher than what most people are expecting. I mean if you talk to people on the street uh, if you listen, if you just read the headlines, if you just read the comment section in, uh, you know, on, on Twitter and Facebook and stuff, you know, the bears, the real estate bears, the, the people who seem to get off on predicting and waiting for this massive real estate crash to happen in, in Canada. They're just giddy with excitement right now. <laughs> just, you know, there's blood on the streets. But if you look at the numbers, it's just simply not true. And I think a bit of what's happening is a uh, mortgage broker I was talking to recently, he had a great analogy. It's like when you're on the highway and you're going 170 on the highway, you're just flying by everything. Then when you go from 170 to 120, it feels like you're standing still, but you're still above the speed limit and you're still probably breaking the lot and you're probably still going too fast. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of like he's saying, you know, the market's been just, the market has been so unusually hot for so long, we kind of get used to it, and we kind of think this is the way it is. And then when things go back to like normal, it's almost like we don't know what to do with ourselves, and we think the, the sky is falling, when in fact, it's not at all.
1: Interesting. So how does that translate to price bans?
0: Yeah, your, this is another thing, a pet peeve of mine, is a lot of people are talking about how, and I think you guys saw the same thing in Vancouver, a lot of people start talking about how prices are falling. Prices are falling and you start to hear that chatter a lot and you see the numbers uh, coming out and, and things. What they're looking at is basically just month over month prices, average prices are falling. And that is just a very dangerous stat to sort of look at and draw conclusions from From a, for a couple of reasons. One is just that a couple of months is a very short period of time. Like it's just not a long period of time to, you know, to draw any kind of conclusions on a a, huge market of what's happening. The other thing is just normal seasonal differences. Like, you know, as you know, like real estate is seasonal. So every year the average prices go up and down throughout the year. It's not like average prices continually go up every single month. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. Average prices tend to peak in the busiest months of the year. and, And after the busiest months are passed, they tend to go down before they go up again when things get biggier again. It's just, you know, in in the spring, they go up. In the summer, they tend to go down. In the fall, they tend to go up again. So prices don't ever move in a straight line. So when you're saying prices in June are X percent lower than prices in April or prices in July are X percent lower than prices in May, uh, it's a very dangerous sort of right. assumption to make that that, that means, okay, if prices went down from this month to that month, then that means the market has gone down. Not necessarily. It just means that different houses sold that month and the month before. I mean, uh, I think sure. a big part of the story in Vancouver is what has been a lot of the higher-end properties, the multi-million dollar properties, if they stop selling, it skews the whole average price off as well. Uh, and, and, you know, that's part of it as well. Just a different mix of properties are selling. So, if the $4 million plus market is struggling, it's going to bring the average price down. But who cares? Like, that's like 2% of the market is buying these <laughs> right. $4 million, right? It doesn't affect the guy on the street, but the guy on the street sees that and he says, oh, prices are down 15%. You know, this, is it. you know, so that's another thing that I always caution people with is, you got to understand the statistics. You got to understand the seasonality of real estate. And people are just losing their minds over like one or two months of, of, of data or change in a market. Let's not overanalyze before we, you know, we sort of had six months or 12 months to, to see if there is in fact a trend happening here or not. Sure. So, yeah, all that to say, yeah, sure. If you look at the numbers, it looks like prices are, are coming down for sure, at least for detached housing. Particularly in the suburban areas, the outer ring of the GTA, uh, the 905 region as we call it, basically named after the phone number, the area code 905. Um, but if you're talking about the core of the city, the, the traditional city neighborhoods on the subway line, and certainly if you're talking about the condo market, you know prices are, you know, just they haven't fallen at all.
1: Yeah. And, and maybe even to elaborate on the price band in Vancouver, when the foreign buyer tax hit and we saw a softening in the market, it, it really kind of chopped the top off the market. Are you noticing that the entry level seems to be busier than the higher end product right now? Or is there anything that that you're starting to notice as a trend in terms of different price points throughout the market for activity? Yeah, it sounds like detached houses that are slower for sure. But anyway, sorry, I'll let you uh, elaborate,
2: Andrew.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a similar pattern that, you know, we were able to witness in Vancouver as well. It's like the high end of the market is slower, the low end of the market is busier. You know, I think the, the, the story that it's really telling you is that fundamentally nothing has changed. Like this foreign biotech comes in, a few other measures come in. You know, there's a very small uh, increase in interest rates and all these little factors together combine to create a a strong psychological change. But fundamentally, our economy is still the same, you know, people aren't losing their jobs. This is an area with massive immigration and net migration numbers, people coming in every year. We're not suddenly building an astronomically larger number of of homes or, or condos. That's still the same. The supply and demand, like the, the fundamentals of the market, are still the same. So why is this happening? Well, I, I think it's a reasonable conclusion to make that it's psychological. Uh, and if it's psychological, then it's certainly temporary. Um, and, and things are, you know, not going to not going to stay like this for, for very long. If, you know, if you if it was some kind of a structural or fundamental change in the market, then or if there was some recession or something, I'd say yeah, like. Things are slowing down, and it's probably going to get a lot worse, and, and that would make sense. But there, there's nothing like that. There has been no uh, significant, you know, fundamental or structural change that would, would suggest that's the case.
2: Yeah, and in fact, the economy um, is getting stronger. Right? That's the strange irony of it.
0: That's the irony of it exactly. And, and that's another pet peeve is people saying, "Oh, interest rates are going up, therefore the sky is falling and it's all going to crash." It's like, hello, like look look at the last you know, 100 years of, of interest rate history, why do interest rates go up? They go up because the economy is stronger, because more people are working, more people are making money, things are going well, the economy is growing. And so the, the likelihood, I'm not saying it's impossible, but the likelihood of a real estate crash in a growing economy, it just doesn't make sense.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's funny because we had you on before and we were talking about how Toronto was kind of lagging Vancouver almost a year, nine months to a year. Uh, it seems like from what you've explained so far, it's, it's actually very similar. Like we saw and looking back now, June of last year, there was a shift in the market. It seemed to be slowing down on its own and then the Liberals came out with the 15% foreign buyers tax, which was essentially a punch in the face. That sounds like the same story in the greater Toronto area, but do you see this as kind of part of a normal cycle here, or or do you think that the policy that was implemented by the provincial government is kind of the driving force of the slowdown?
0: Well, I think it was a a couple of things. I mean, like you said, one was just the market started to show signs of slowing down on its own. Because I think gravity just, at some point, gravity just kicks in. And, you know, what goes up must come down, so to speak. Like if something goes up so quickly by so much, which the market did, then it's a natural thing for the market to take a breather and to slow down and, and people need to catch up. And so there were signs of that happening. And then, you know, the, the legislation and the many, 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 many headlines that followed uh, sort of had a, had a psychological, a deep psychological effect on the market where a lot of people are, are taking a wait-and-see approach. And so, you know, a lot of people are saying, I could buy right now. I have the money. I have the approval in my hand. I just don't want to. I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach. And all that does, of course, is just create a pent-up demand that eventually spills over and eventually will reignite you know the, the activity in the market again, unless a lot of those people who are sitting on on the waiting fence will, you know, if they're losing their jobs on that, then they're not going to buy. It. But again, like that, there's no reason to think that's going to happen. So all these people sitting on the sidelines with money in their pockets, they're going to jump back in, and, and you know, it's pretty easy to predict what what's going to happen when that when that occurs.
1: It's interesting because last year when the foreign buyer tax kicked in in Vancouver. You know, there's always people that still have to sell. A lot of people just pulled their listings for a variety, you know, because they could, right? But there were people out there. There's always, you know, death, divorce, relocation that drives the market. And some of the best deals we've seen in the last few years happened during that kind of hangover phase during the foreign buyer tax. Exactly where you're at right now. Right where you're at. So, I guess my question would be: Is now the time to buy in Toronto? In your opinion? Oh,
0: absolutely, it's time to buy. If you're looking for a detached house especially <laughs> it's absolutely the time to buy you know in the nine oh five areas. You know, there's not a lot I wouldn't say there's a lot of desperate sellers out there who are just like dropping prices or anything, but if you are a bargain hunter, if you have been waiting on the sidelines for an opportunity to get a quote unquote bargain, whatever that means to you, um, you know, this is the time. You know, you might see this is the time to start throwing offers around at properties and see if you can get something that sticks. Um, again, most sellers are going are gonna to throw your ball offer in the garbage, but if you put out enough offers like that, you know, you, you uh, probably eventually are going to find a seller who, you know, is, needs to sell, uh, is under a timing crunch, who just really believes the headlines and they really do believe that the sky is falling and they just want to get rid of the property. So, absolutely, yeah, you're right. I mean, I can ask you, but like, I'm sure you have stories of people who bought in Vancouver, you know, six, eight months ago, who are just laughing now because the prices are so different now than they were then, and, and fundamentally nothing has changed.
1: So, Andrew, so last time you were on the program, you uh, we we talked a bit about the east end of Toronto. We've got a lot of investors that kind of monitor Canada in general. Where do you see the opportunities in the detached market? Is there a, a general area that people should be focused on right now?
0: Well, if you look at the softest parts of the market, then you're looking at probably York region. So you, the, the, the suburban areas north of the city, the Markham, the Richmond Hill, right now those are the areas with the, you know, the, the, the lowest sales to listing ratios where you have the most listings uh, on the market available. And the sort of the fewest number of buyers. Um, again, if you're if you're looking in the core of the city, the traditional neighborhoods of you know Old Toronto, you know with 100 plus years of history, you know Danforth, Riverdale, uh, Beaches, on the east side, you know High Park, Vale, Trinity Bellwoods Annex, you know the the Young and Eglinton East Side. Lawrence Park, you know, these traditional areas which um, are just well-established areas that follow the subway line, um, you're not really seeing any bargains, per se, in in there. Yes, listings are up, but, you know, you're still properties, good properties are still getting, you know, six, eight, ten offers, you know. Uh, The crappy properties, you know, this is is an interesting time if you're studying real estate investing to sort of you know, a tip i give investors would be look at what properties are sitting and not selling right now. Figure out what the characteristics they have in common, and sort of ingrain that into your memory so that whenever the market is hot again, don't let yourself buy those types of properties because the good properties will always sell and the, the B and C properties, they'll sell when the market is hot because everything sells. But when, when things slow down, that's when you get into trouble, and if you need, if you ever need to sell in a slower market, you don't want to be holding one of those sorts of properties.
2: This is—it's funny, Andrew, because you know we say pre-sale, you say pre-construction, you say A, B, C properties. Adam and I have been talking a lot about tier one, tier two properties in in Vancouver, yep. and and it, that's exactly what happened here. The tier two properties were sitting, but yeah, those tier one properties, there was always a demand there, and and it became pretty stark as to what people really were after.
0: Yeah, it's sort of that, you know, the core areas and the best areas, the best properties, they're going to be the last to slow down. Uh, if the market's slowing down, they're going to be the last to feel it. And when the market picks up again, they're going to be the first to rebound. So um, it's a good learning experience, I think, and but it's also a painful one for a lot of people who bought those C properties, locations, and now they're trying to sell them but for those people that are thinking man I I wish I had paid a little bit more and got something else
2: (laughs) yeah exactly right so just a a more general question here because you know summer is always a time of slowdown here in Vancouver um, just the natural sort of cycle is that the case like it gets really hot in Toronto we know Um, is that the case in Toronto it sounds like inventory's up which is which is strange for a summer in my mind is that the kind of nature of the market there and then as a follow-up yeah so but is inventory higher than usual for a summer
0: yes i would say yes to both so yes we do have the seasonal effect as well the market the market in terms of activity usually peaks in either may or june this year i believe it peaked in march or april so it it peaked early and then it's been going going down so and typically, March or May or June are the peak sales months, and then July and August goes down a bit. September, October, we, we pick up again for the fall. Um, yeah, so like if, if a property hasn't sold in the spring, it's very common. Take your property off the market, relist it in the fall. And we're seeing that as well. A lot of, uh, a lot of sellers right now who don't need to sell, the market's a little sluggish. So they're saying, you know, let's just take it off the market. We'll relist list in, in the fall kind of a thing so that's uh that's that's true here as well
2: and then just in terms of thinking of follow-up here you know we saw six seven months kind of hangover after the foreign buyers tax just looking at the months here like your fall market are you expecting it to pick up like are you expecting a sort of similar follow-through as we've seen in vancouver here in terms of market or or what are your thoughts on the next six months or a year
0: that's a good question I'm not sure it's uh very early. You know, if I had to bet, I guess I would I would bet that it would be similar to Vancouver. Like it, it would take a six to eight month period there before we, we see what happens. So I don't think we're gonna see just because the fall market is a traditional time when things pick up again, I don't think we're gonna see a dramatic, you know, turning around of the market, so to speak. I think things will Sort of remain somewhat as they are, where the condo market is still a seller's market, although not as strong as it was before, and the detached housing market I think will still be a borderline buyer's market through the fall season. Um, if we do, you know, if we are tracking similar to Vancouver, then I think the the real uh, shift, if that shift takes place again, I think it would make sense for it to happen probably in the new year.
2: Yeah, like the start of the spring market, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Great. Well, hey, maybe we'll leave it there. So, Andrew, how can people find out more about you and uh, what you're you do? everywhere? But <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not hard to find. Um, truecondos.com, my website. You can uh, check out my podcast and videos and articles, all free there. And make sure you do subscribe if you're interested in investing in Toronto condos. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Andrew LaFleur. Um, I'm on Facebook. You can, uh, you can find me there as well. Yeah, I might as well throw in a phone number as well. If anybody wants to call me, you can call me directly, 416-371-2333.
1: And just a personal plug, uh, good friends of ours just went out to Toronto and bought a place with Andrew's team and Wow, is it a nice place and uh, they seem to have gotten a really good deal and they are super happy. So thanks again for that Andrew as well.
0: That's right. yeah, happy to uh, happy to take care of Bunny and your your clients out here. Thanks guys.
2: Perfect. Right. Well, thanks for your time, Andrew and we'll uh, speak soon. Great. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Andrew LaFleur... Fellow podcaster, fellow realtor, right? Uh, all around great guy and uh, super knowledgeable about the Toronto real estate market. Yes. So that was a
1: great discussion. Super interesting conversation with Andrew. Always really good to kind of check in with other markets in, in Canada and just see kind of what the pains are well, especially there. especially Toronto because
2: it's, uh, you know, the policies are very similar to what they just implemented to Vancouver a year ago. Right. Uh, they've went through kind of the same process as us. Yeah, um, So it's good to check in and it's also good to talk to a realtor. As opposed to get it from the Globe and Mail because I feel like the Globe and Mail is always a little bit behind, and um, and the I mean,
1: relationship between media and the real estate market is is so uh, troubled. Well, that yeah, but also I mean it's it it is interesting to see. You know, I mean you you're right. We read the paper just like everybody else uh, about the Toronto market, and then you actually get to talk to Andrew, and you f- you figure out that you know what. It's it's not as it's, it's not as simple as a general headline.
2: Right? Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. So no, that was a great conversation. Hopefully you enjoyed.
1: Uh, what else we got? Matt, we've got 114, no, 116 16. reviews on iTunes. We have four spots left for the big raffle. Yep. So go and if you like the podcast, please do review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. And then also sign up for PCS because we've had so many people sign up for private client services. Yeah. Um, just to, to recap on that, so it's it's realtor level information. It's a it's a search engine for listings that we offer at our website vancouverrealestatepodcast.com dot com slash pcs. It gives you sold prices, so you get to see sold prices. It also has listing updates about thirty six to seventy two hours before public MLS, and it's free. So you yeah. get it's it's great so go sign up for that
2: yeah and we should say we've had a lot of people sign up and i've said it before if you want give one of us a shout or just sign up and leave your phone number and i sure. can give you a call because sometimes you know if you don't have that search parameters uh, set correctly you're going to see too many you're going to be overwhelmed we set people up all the time so it's, it's easier it's, to kind of call the listings if if we have yeah. a good sense of what you're
1: looking for absolutely so
2: matt how can people get a hold of you yeah, give me a call anytime seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four or uh, email me at matt
1: at Podcast dot com and Adam or you can try me at seven seven eight eight six six four five seven four or Adam at Podcast dot com and Papa D or Papa Dom or Papa what Papa do we Dom call him? Papa Dumb. Braden at ScalinaRealEstate.com. Oh, come on. Now you're just tricking people on. And that's with a Y, folks. Yeah. Nobody why? Even emails
0: me anyways. I dare you to email me. Oh, <laughs> well, now you're getting
1: an email. <laughs> okay. Well, have a great week, guys. Yeah. An email of Papa Dumb.
0: 2000 faces for radio. Subscribe today.
1: Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419.
2: We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy